Welcome to the show, Lone Star Gunners. This is Lone Star Gun Talk, and as always, I am your humble host, Derek Wills. I really appreciate you being here each and every week, and I have some very big news to share with y'all. Last week's episode, I was rather hard on Representative Phil King, and nothing has changed as far as my feelings towards him. I still believe that he killed constitutional carry because he did. However, I don't want to be a divider. After last week's episode, I realized that I was doing more to divide gun rights uh, advocates and gun owners than to unify us. And to an extent, I was unifying us um, in anger, but that's not the way that I think good Texans should operate. I think that we should approach from a position of humility, and I think that we should uh, try and promote unity uh, to, to an extent to where we are all on the same page. I reached out to Representative King, and he has agreed to come on the show with us and answer whatever questions we may have. Now, that's not this episode, but I wanted to let you know that it is coming. Right now, we're just trying to figure out uh, scheduling uh, between his schedule and mine where uh, we can both sit down and have a conversation, however long that may be. And, you know, even throughout what he did, I still do believe that Phil King is a good man at heart. I just think that his politics are a little bit off as it comes to gun rights, and that's okay. Let's be real. It is okay to have disagreements. You know, I've said all along that I am adamantly opposed to background checks, but I'm sure there are plenty of you out there who support them, and that's okay. We can uh, we can disagree agreeably, and I want us to be able to do that even with people like Representative King, who uh, has who actually did kill a piece of legislation that we liked, but maybe we should give him the chance to explain and at least explain his position. And so I'm going to give him that chance. And I think that we should all be on board with it. And if you have anything in particular that you would like asked, feel free to let me know. Reach out to us on Twitter um, or on Facebook. Let me know if there's anything. And I'm going to create a post about this as well, so that way everybody kind of has an idea of what to expect. And hopefully we can get some real, honest answers, and hopefully we can begin to move on from what happened last session and focus on this coming session in January of 2019. If Phil King does become a speaker and puts Joe Strauss out of a job, basically, then we need to be able to at least have open lines of communication. The speakership is a very powerful position, and I just would rather have Phil King as an ally than as an enemy. And yes, I'm doing this because I want constitutional carry pass, but also because I think that humility and unity are a direction that 
can have a much bigger impact on the overall consequences than division and animosity. And that's why I am taking this approach. I still have my tenets. I still have my beliefs as to what gun rights should look like. And nothing will change that. And yes, Phil King did do an awful thing last session in my mind where he tabled the only constitutional carry bill that we had. And he put out the uh, bastardized version of HB 1911. There's no denying that. He did that. But I think that we owe it to ourselves, and I think he owes it to his constituents as to why he made that decision. And instead of blasting him constantly, like I did last episode, I think a a better way to approach this is through um, humbling ourselves and just having a dialogue. And if at the at the end of all of this, if it proves to be just a big waste of time, at least we tried. And you know who knows? This might change everything, and it might change nothing. But at least we had that open dialogue, that open um, conversation, and to a certain extent, maybe even a debate as to how things should go. Now, I don't talk about my religious beliefs a lot. Uh, I kind of have been the, the past couple of weeks just bringing up God. Um, but I'm a, I'm a Messianic Jew. And what that means is um, I worship as a Jew, but I believe in the New Testament. And this weekend, um, beginning last Friday night until Saturday evening, is Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. It is the day where we, uh, it's a day of confession, it's a day of uh, personal repentance and making atonements for our sins. And I do believe that the way that I approached everything that Phil King did, both last session as well as last week, weren't the best ways. And to an extent, I I have some regret there. And so I want to, um, I want to make it right. And that's another reason why I'm doing this. I I want to put myself back in my rifle place, and realize that I have the power to approach this from a direction of humility, and that's what I'm going to do. So that's enough of that. Hopefully this will happen next week's episode, if not, probably the week after. I will keep y'all posted on Facebook, and I really hope that this has a profound difference on what we are trying to accomplish. Anyway, moving on to the topics of the day, if you're not aware... The Senate primary in the state of Alabama has come to a close, and it looks like we have a name for who will likely succeed um, Jeff Sessions as the senator from Alabama. And that would be Judge Roy Moore, who defeated Luther Strange rather soundly. And what's 
interesting about this is that Luther Strange, who is a more establishment-type Republican, was endorsed by Donald Trump and still lost to Judge Roy. That said, um, I believe that Judge Roy Moore will be great for the Senate. He's very pro-liberty, um, at least from what I understand, and I think he will be a good fit in the Senate. But he did something after his victory that uh, that kind of made me cringe just a lot. And if you haven't seen the video, I, I, I encourage you to check it out. I'm going to play the audio for you and kind of narrate what's going on. But essentially, he pulled out a, a gun on stage to show everybody that he's pro-Second Amendment. And I think this is the wrong way to approach it. Clay Higgins, who ran for Congress in uh, Louisiana, he always walked around with a 1911 on his hip, open carrying. And that was profound. That was the way it should have been done. Judge Roy Moore, on the other hand, actually pulls his gun out of his pocket and holds it up in the air and puts it back. He doesn't do it for too long, but it's long enough to... The fact that he pulled it out of a, a holster or his pocket or wherever made me cringe. So check this out. Nearly three months of negative ads that we couldn't answer with money because we didn't have it. Ads that were completely false. That I don't believe in the Second Amendment. And right here, he pulls out a gun, right? I there. believe in the Second Amendment. He holds it up and puts his, his gun back in his pocket. That is stupid. You don't unholster a gun to show people that you have one. And look, Judge Roy Moore, I firmly believe, will be a great senator, but this was dumb. You don't unholster a weapon unless you need to use it, whether simply pulling it out and brandishing it to stop the threat or squeezing the trigger. You don't, use, you don't unholster it to, to be a show-off. That's how negligent discharges happen. And according to the video, just looking at it, he, his finger never went inside the trigger guard and never touched the trigger. So props on that. Trigger discipline is great. But don't pull out a gun to show that you have one. If you feel that you have to show people that you have one, then, you know, wear it on a belt and, you know, open your coat or something. Don't pull it out of your pocket and, hey, look, I got a gun. That's dumb. And it's irresponsible. And, um, you know, that's all I can really say on the topic because, I, like I said, I think he will be a good senator. It's just that um, that was that was dumb. He still has a campaign ahead of him because he still has to defeat his Democratic challenger. But I don't think that he will have too much of a problem that seeing as how it's Alabama. And Alabama is a bright red state. So um, Judge Roy Moore will very likely be the next senator from Alabama. And it makes me happy. I just wish that he wouldn't have pulled a gun out to show that he has one. Moving on to other things, though, there was a huge win for gun rights advocates. And that is that the Supreme Court decided not to act on a case out of Washington, D.C., which basically left the lower court's ruling in place. 
And what it was is it was a, a case regarding whether or not you have to have a good reason in order to obtain a license to carry. Now, obviously, I'm not pro-license to carry for anything. I don't think that you should have to get one. But um, for those that still have the permit in place, there are certain jurisdictions, such as Washington, D.C., that require you to give a good reason as to why you want one. And according to some people that do live in Washington, D.C., saying that you live in a high-crime neighborhood is not justification enough. And so that case was brought up, and it was ruled unconstitutional to require a good reason to obtain a carry permit. Now, this also opens up another avenue because the Supreme Court refused to hear the case, sending it back down to the D.C. Circuit Court, if another circuit court, say the Ninth District, or the Ninth Circuit, rather, gets a similar case out of California, and they rule that it's perfectly acceptable, then that will essentially force the Supreme Court to hear this case and make a ruling on it altogether. Um, and, yeah, we have a conservative-leaning Supreme Court, but this kind of throws me off into a tangent, so bear with me on this. The Supreme Court of the United States was never supposed to have the power to uh, determine what is and is not constitutional. They granted themselves that power in 1803 following the Marbury v. Madison case, and it upset people like Thomas Jefferson so much that he wrote about it for over 20 years, blasting that decision. Um, there are letters dated 1823, um, where he's still saying things like uh, uh, to consider the justices as the ultimate arbiters of what is constitutional puts us on the despotism of an oligarchy. I think that's a pretty close uh, verbatim quote to what he said. And a lot of people might be shocked to hear that the Supreme Court doesn't have that power. And they might ask, where does that power lie? Well, as I've brought up in the past, the Supremacy Clause says that uh, the Constitution and the laws pursuant to the Constitution are the supreme law of the land. So there has to be some way to gauge what, what type of law is and is not constitutional. But because nowhere in Article 3 is there a, um, a power given to the Supreme Court to determine constitutionality, also known as judicial review. Because that doesn't appear anywhere, it falls to the states. Because the Tenth Amendment says that any powers not specifically granted to the federal government or prohibited by the Constitution to the states go to the states. So the states would be the ones that would have the power of judicial review. And that's a very different setup than what we have now. Basically, right now, we have a Supreme Court that has zero check on it whatsoever. They get to do what they want. That's why the Obamacare ruling was such a travesty, because there was no way to overturn that unless you amend the Constitution or um, just repeal the law. And that's where we fall, or, fall into these traps. It's why I will never bring up a Supreme Court case, period in an argument, in or in a debate, because 
the Supreme Court is not supposed to have these these this power. You know, it's how we end up with uh, rulings like Dred Scott or Korematsu v. United States or uh, Roe v. Wade. Or even uh, on the flip side of things, of things that we like, it's how we end up with the Heller decision or we how we end up uh, with fill in the blank. There are multiple cases out there that you can study. And I'm sure some of them you'll agree with, others you won't. And even if you have a constitutionally savvy mind, you will not be able to tie the two together, even with things like Dred Scott or Brown v. Board of Education. I promise. The Supreme Court was never supposed to have this power. So that's my little tangent uh, regarding this. Now, I do hope, given the state of everything right now, that I do hope that eventually the Supreme Court takes it up and rules that these are unconstitutional. But, you know, we can't... I, I'm not happy with the, the Supreme Court getting away with a power that they granted themselves. And um, I think that it's... that judicial review in and of itself is completely unconstitutional, uh, at least at the uh, Supreme Court of the United States level. But I digress. This is a good win for us. Make no mistake about it, because it it shows that there is precedent to say that it is unconstitutional for a state, or in this case, the di- case the District of Columbia, to mandate that you have to declare a good reason before you can get a concealed carry permit. And I, I, I'm happy about it. I really am, despite my displeasure with the courts having the power of judicial review. I am quite happy about this. And you should be too. But, as I said, don't, uh, don't put too much into this. Do a little research on the Supreme Court and how it was supposed to function, um, as opposed to how it currently does function. Moving on, uh, this next story brings me great joy, and I really hope that you share this with somebody who is a member of Moms Demand Action, just because it makes me that happy. It appears that the Moms Demand Action founder, Shannon Watts, is not going to seek a congressional bid for Colorado's 2nd District. She says that she would like to focus on her Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America group, and quite frankly, letter, because Ms. Watts, you are losing almost daily whenever it comes to this issue. And the more, the harder you fight, the worse you lose. And you're just dead wrong on all of these issues. You don't really care about, uh, you don't care about the, the saving lives. You really care about control because those evil guns make you upset. That's all it really is. That's all it boils down to. And, you know, I mean, seriously, if you ever went out on a date with somebody and realized that they were carrying, would you really say, oh, no, you're a bad person? Probably so, because you hate guns with everything, every fiber of your being. And um, I, I find it funny that she is going to no longer seek uh, her congressional seat for the second district, and you know, make no mistake, that is a bright blue state uh, seat. It takes up Boulder, Colorado, which is probably, I believe, the bluest 
city in the U.S., and including places like L.A. and New York. I want to say that Boulder, Colorado is even bluer than that just by how big of a margin they win. Um, and I, I think that she would even have a hard time with that because there are many Coloradans out there that who might even be Democrats. They care about their gun rights. And I'm sure that's why she's really no, not going to pursue uh, making a, a seat or making a bid for, for that seat. And she posted this on her Facebook just to uh, make it make it known that, you know, it has nothing to do with anything except the fact that she doesn't want to actually run. Quote, I am grateful to the support I received as I spent the summer considering a run for the office in Colorado, particularly from women who are hoping a female candidate enters what is currently a race of all-male candidates. While Colorado has a significant amount of women represented in our state legislature, we need more women in leadership roles like governor and our members of Congress. Well, but she's not running. And that's what's funny about this whole thing. She's not running. Um, but she thinks women should because women. Yay, women. But what can you do? I think it's it tickles me to death. It really does because... She has no real chance of winning in um, any sort of gun control argument, is except in states, and step except in California and New York. That's really it, and possibly uh, Illinois as well. So you got these three states. She doesn't live in any of those three states. She wouldn't stand a prayer getting things actually passed in her home state, let alone on the national level. So um, it just it's all one big failure, and it makes me happy. Um, and I, I can't stop laughing at it. I really can't. Now, granted, that's that seat will remain blue probably until the end of time, and I'm okay with that. I really am because we have a pretty sizable um, majority in the House. Not that I'm taking that for granted, but uh, right now the makeup of the people as it would be uh, is definitely more right-wing, pro-liberty-minded, pro-gun-minded individuals than Miss Watts would care to to admit. So it makes me happy. It it really does. And you know what's funny? Speaking of empowering women, women are on the rise of being concealed carry permit holders, and this is also out of Colorado, which which makes me even happier because it's shown that from the end of 2012 until June 2017, the number of females with permits in El Paso County, and that's El Paso County, Colorado, increased by 53.9% compared to the increase in mid-holding permits of 35.9%. So, for her to say that women need to be empowered, they're already taking steps themselves to empower themselves because they are choosing their right to carry a firearm, to protect themselves against anybody who would seek to do them harm. Let's face it. A woman carrying a firearm is, is it levels the playing field. And not that I'm you know, going out against women here, but it's a biological fact that 
a 250-pound man can easily overpower a 110-pound a woman. It's just, I mean, there's going to be an exception to that rule, sure. But by and large, if you put a 250-pound man up against a 110-pound woman, the man will win. And he will be able to do whatever he wants to her. If she has a gun, on the other hand, then that no longer matters. Because she has something that will put that person out on his butt, bleeding and crying and, uh, well, possibly dying uh, because he wanted to infringe upon her liberty to go forth unmolested on her daily routine. And uh, because she's carrying a gun, she now has not only a level playing field, but she now has a superior playing field. Um, it is it is the great equalizer, and I it, it makes me really happy that women are becoming more and more active in the uh, gun rights world. And it's true from both an activism standpoint as well as just an everyday gun owner, I want to carry now standpoint. And it's it's fantastic. And I I encourage more women to go out and get a firearm that suits them, to get a license if their state requires it to carry, and to refuse to be a victim. Because, I mean, men, we can kind of handle ourselves, and this is not a bash against women, so don't interpret it as that. It's just that more often than not, men can at least um, have a chance of fighting back another man. You know, I'm 258 pounds, and if I have a 260-pound guy, I have a much better chance than a 110-pound woman does. And, okay, yeah, maybe there's a 230-pound woman who can t hold her own. More power to her. I'm not trying to take that away from her. But the fact that more women are becoming aware and going out and buying firearms and carrying firearms makes me so happy because they are the ones who would be victimized more often than a man would be victimized. Now, obviously, that doesn't hold true for somebody who's wanting to shoot the place up. It grants, it gives us more of a uh, of an advantage if more people are carrying to return fire. Uh, but I'm talking about specifically uh, from a somebody who wants to just beat somebody up and mug them, or God forbid, rape them. Uh, this gives them an edge and gives them the ability to fight back if they would otherwise not have that. And chances are, just based off biological differences, um, that it would be much harder for them to fight off um, your average male assailant than another male having to fight off the same. It's just, it's science. You know, the science is settled, right? <laughs> anyway, this tickles me to death, especially in Shannon Watts' home state of Colorado, you know, maybe, Miss Watts, maybe you should uh, empower yourself by going out and getting a firearm. Hell, I'll take you. Uh, if you want to come out here to Texas or, you know, if, if my job ever takes me out to Colorado, I'll be more than happy to take you to the range, educate you on firearm safety, everything that you want, and there will be no law required because I'll be happy to do it because that's the way we should... Uh, take care of it. We should take personal accountability for ourselves and want to go out and get our um, get 
some sort of familiarization with how the firearm that we own operates as well as uh, general safety. You know, it should, it should, we should never let complacency sit in. And what's really funny about this is it reminds me of a meme. There was a meme that we posted up on Lone Star Gun Rights, and it's probably been posted about a thousand times before we ever got a hold of it. Um, it is a picture of, you know, people exercising trigger discipline on things like a bottle of Windex, a impact wrench, or even, um, you know, just some type of spray cleaner. And it, follow, it says that trigger discipline follows you everywhere, and it's so true. And it's not because we have a law that says, thou shalt always maintain trigger discipline. It's because we have uh, common sense. It's because we want to be safe as gun owners. You don't have to pass a law that says, thou shalt always follow these safety rules and understand these laws in order to exercise your God-given right to carry a firearm. It's because we want to know the law. We want to know firearm safety because we don't want to accidentally shoot one of our own loved ones. These lefties drive me crazy because they push these narratives that if we don't have these specific laws or if we repeal these other laws, then we'll have blood in the streets because people don't know how to act civilly without these laws. Um, you know, they, they act like, oh, if you don't mandate that they have to take a safety class on how a gun works or take a class on what the law is, then people are just going to be, oh, you cut me off about two blocks back yonder way. I'm going to shoot you because I don't know how to act like a responsible human being. Of course, we all know that that's not the case. Um, if these weren't mandated by law, I'm pretty sure that everybody would still get along just just as fine and that um, people would still seek out what laws are applicable and what aren't. Because we care about personal accountability and personal responsibility. And there are plenty of resources. Oh my god, it's not, it's not 1964 anymore. We have the internet. You can actually go up and look up the statutes and read them for yourselves. You've got other organizations that put on free seminars for people to teach them what the law is. And you, know, you have a plethora of information at your fingertips that you can find information on and become knowledgeable. And you don't have to mandate it by law. People will naturally want to seek those out because we care about each other. Deep down, we all care about one another. We don't want to accidentally shoot somebody we weren't supposed to. We don't want to end up in jail because we shot somebody that we weren't supposed to or we shot when we weren't supposed to or what have you. People care about themselves. They care about others. And they, they, they want to do good in the world. And they want to understand what the rules and the laws are. You don't have to mandate that by law. And if you don't, people will still go out and seek the information that they want. I guarantee it. Anyway, that's all the time I have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please share this podcast with all your friends and your family. And until next Sunday, Lone Star Gunners, arm yourself with knowledge and share the ammo.